passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. See you later. All right. Welcome, everybody, to MCU Later. My name is Rich Fan, and we're here to talk about She-Hulk Episode 1. Just the normal amount of rage. Joining me, not as always, because that's really what Way would say, joining WH for this journey is Rich Fan. I'm, I'm Rich Fan from Prios and Torch. For the next nine weeks, I am on Team Post. So as you see, my name is back to its uh, at Rich underscore fan, and that's it. Uh, WH, welcome. Mm. How are you doing? Well, well, welcome to my own house. Yeah, Thanks. welcome to your own house. How do uh, you like it? That's right. Uh, it's uh, I like the the renovations you've done uh, since the uh, end of uh, Marvel Girl. It looks yeah, really nice. Some, you know, Thanks, got some Rich. sconces, added a little little, little accoutrement, some charcuterie boards, and uh, I, I think I hear there's all... a we can get like some uh, decorations from some warehouse in Enfield. Apparently, apparently they're gonna have a fire sale because that place is gonna be closing down or or something. Yeah, they're going down hard. Now we want to expand on that. You want to talk about the Enfield pain here? No, why? Like an XT UK? Who cares? Who gives a shit? Some stupid <laughs> brand for like Uncle Paul's stupid ego, and he's gonna expand it to like he's just gonna move all these. Dumb dummies to like some black some fucking warehouse in Black Forest Germany or something and like no uh, full of people who nobody cares about in the world of wrestling. Anyways, I just, I completely digress there. I'm gonna digress okay. maybe one more time, you know. But it's I'm good, fun. Rich. This is our first. This is I, not our first. It's our second episode. Of, yeah. of, of, we did the primer. We very well received. I I had coffee with John Pollock the other the other week, and he was like, "Dude, loved it." That's my John awesome. Pollock impersonation. Is uh, you and Rich, great chemistry. Eh? Oh, and and Cena was good too. See, he Cena's an afterthought. <laughs> and Cena's sorry, gonna John. be like, Cena's gonna be like, what the fuck? Yeah, that's right, Cena. You were an afterthought. Pollock was like putting me over, putting Rich fan over, and put you over last, like you deserve to be. Anyway, sorry. It's all good. And if you all are enjoying this chemistry and want to hear more, you're going to be on the free side of things right now. This first episode is going to be on the free side of the house. But if you want to hear more, you want to hear more of myself and WH over the next several weeks, Post Wrestling Cafe is where you'd go for the rest of the podcast to sign up. Uh, I personally enjoy 
listening to Pollock and Ting talk. I enjoy, uh, if you want to pay a little bit extra, the Pollock versus Ting. And of course, that's no, I mean, that's free. That's free. That's in the street. <laughs> what? what? The Pollock versus? We shouldn't even mention these. They don't want. They don't want to know the people know about this. This shit public. Oh, yeah. it's in there. It's like it's right there on the Patreon page. You got to pay up to the. I think it's after double double. If you want to hear them talk and answer yeah. the reader, the listeners' questions, yeah, yeah, you got to sign up for the the cafe. Yeah, but if you, you want to, if you want to watch Pollock versus Ting, the videos they're they're on Way's uh, YouTube channel. I still yes, can't believe he's never taken. I still can't believe he's never taken them down. But anyways, I, I don't. John's gonna be listening to this. He's gonna be like, "W, shut, shut up! Don't talk about shut that up, stuff." Shut up, dude. Yeah. but uh anyways um yeah. so can I just, just say to give you before sorry go ahead. go ahead i was gonna say uh, just to give folks an idea since this is the freestyle house you might not have heard it before mcu later is the marvel comics podcast done here at post wrestling wh park and Wei ting have done a phenomenal job over the last few years not only highlighting it but then showing deeper dives into the history of the comic book uh listener supported uh message board commentary uh things that have kind of jumped out to them and it's a pleasure for me to kind of jump into this world and kind of be in the like i'm a i'm the john david uh i'm gonna do a little dc john david irons or john henry irons and be steel for a few weeks while superman's out convalescent taking care of his young one on the planet krypton i know we're jumping companies but deal with it it's the only time they get credit for something because if we do bring them up it'll be the point and laugh uh and so i love MCU later. Not only am I the host for the next few weeks, but I'm also a Patreon subscriber, 100% for MCU later. I love hearing it, uh, and I love having the special you. guests. And this series is going to be no different. Now, traditionally, Way and WH would have guests as you go later in the show because I'm bringing folks from the Torch universe uh, through the 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 allowed fence because it's not the forbidden fence. Let's not be dumb about their forbidden door. We're not going to talk no, about no, Ken no. Chan yet. We will get to him at some point, I'm sure. WHY's comments. Cuts. And so before I start to introduce our first guest for this episode, WH, what were you going to say? Oh, what about Ken Chan? No, no. You were going to say something first before I jumped in and tried to let the people oh, know. Oh, no, what... I, no. I was just going to say, I watched this video on, on Twitter of like some, I think it was after the camera stopped mm-hmm. rolling on, on Dynamite. And, yeah. and he was just like, Ken Chan was just being a you know, complete nerd. About oh we're gonna change the world with the way we present wrestling. L- listen, Ken, you're not, you're not gonna stop the fucking war in the Ukraine because like you wear stupid fucking tights in the ring, and you know you and the young bucks want to pretend that it's all fake shit. That's not saying you're changing the world. You're changing shit, dude. Anyways, that I just want to say. By the way, I think he came back too soon. Like, what's with the shirt? He looks like shit. Yeah, I'm not saying like I hope you. I, the shoulder Terrible. harness, the knee pad, like it was a lot. It, or not the knee pad, but the knee brace. It, it listen, if that's his idea, like, dude, you need to like just get better and come back when you're fully a hundred percent, right? If it's Tony's idea, complete idiot. But who who knows? Well, time time will tell. Time will tell. Maybe yeah. he's working us all. Who knows? But yeah, maybe he might be working. That's us all I wanted to say. You know. Okay. And we so should introduce you know, our guest. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm going to get in trouble if I take much longer doing it. So uh, one of the first folks um, we're going to have as a guest is one of the first people who was truly excited about She-Hulk Attorney at Law. And that was my wife, uh, Melissa Fan. Melissa is a lawyer. 
Uh, she is a awesome mom and she tolerates not only my forays into wrestling, but the sheer amount of comics that reside in this house and the amount of times I get up way too early in the morning to watch MCU series and movies before I go to work because that's the only time I can do it. Melissa, welcome. And uh, how are you doing this evening? So good, good. We we had a, uh, a birthday party earlier uh, for my son. It was one of his friends. Um, and so we just got back from that. Um, but I was able to uh, watch the first episode today, which was awesome. Um, I fit that in with all that stuff that was going on. Uh, but thank you so much for the introduction. We do have a lot of comic books in our house. We're starting the second generation of comic book readers. Um, one of the things that my son is excited to read you know, or graphic novels. That's really been helpful to get him, you know, more interested in reading. So I'm glad that we have this comic book background to, to help facilitate that. I think Just I maybe to- own like 10 comic books, maybe. That's probably I just want to let you know, me. Melissa, don't worry. The reason I'm such a profanity, you know, profanity uh, filled uh, degenerate is not because of comic books. It's totally because of movies and uh, enough, the people I knew in university. Fair enough. And so as these various comic books come out in the theater or, in, you know, episodes, um, you know, it's I've, I've gone to, I would say, maybe what, 70 percent of them with you and Trey, maybe yeah, 60. Anything, anything that's been under just by my self-imposed cooling rule with you with movies, anything under three hours, like you didn't go to any of the Avengers movies. Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. I don't know. That's too long. You went to Black Sorry. Panther. Yes. You went to, uh, did you go to, no, you definitely didn't go to the Eternals. No. Uh, Spider-Man, you went to all the Spider-Men. Yeah, I did. Yeah, no, over three hours, that's not going to, that's not going to be good. Um, I know, well, most people watching this probably strongly disagree, but that's okay. Um, I just don't do long movies. I mean, Titanic, that was probably the last, you know, really long movie, but in any event, yeah. That's why this is so awesome because it's 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 episodes, so it's great for someone like me. Okay, yeah, and they're so, only they're only thirty minutes each, pretty much each episode, right? Yeah, yeah, they're gonna be a dirty sitcom. Yeah, <laughs> so that's I'm, I'm, I'm that. Yeah, yeah, I think it's great. Like, and you know, if people want to binge watch it, like once more episodes are available, like they can do that, or if they're super busy or just, you know, tend to watch shorter things, then they can watch it too. Yeah. One and thing so- I really like because, because like they moved the, the release dates from Wednesday to Thursday and we do the show Thursday nights, we record this on Thursday night is that, you know, if it was on Wednesday, I'd have, I had the day to think about it and digest it. And it, you know, that it only being 30 minutes, like mm-hmm. helps a lot for me to digest it in the morning before I go to work. Um, and then just while I'm at work, I'm thinking about it and what I'm going to talk about and, and do some research before we start recording and stuff like that. So that, that really helps. I'm, I'm kind of glad where it's not like, you know, what's the average, what, 46 minutes to like mm-hmm. 50 minutes on average, Rich? Yeah. With the occasional foray into something that's like crazy, like 70 to 92 minutes, if it's like a either a big uh, premiere or big finale. Yeah, and, it, and it's... And it's cool because even though it's a 30 minute runtime, but it's, it's still longer than your, like a sitcom you watch on TV because there are no commercials. So you, you're, you're having 30 minutes of actual, of the actual show. So you're getting a little bit more than, 
you know, a half hour sitcom, but, you know, like I said, it's very digestible in terms of the format and content. Yeah. And speaking of that format and content, Jessica Gao is the head writer of She-Hulk Attorney at Law. Um, and mainly Kat Quaro has been, is the director of, of record for the show out of the nine episodes. She does six and Anu Valia does three episodes. And so one of the first things I want to ask Melissa is uh, Jessica being the head writer. Uh, I'm going to attach in the show notes, uh, a, a link to, there was a great empire interview she did where she talked about a lot of the inspiration of episode one, some of the plans she had, and we'll talk about, I'll sprinkle some of those questions throughout, but Jessica's background is in comedy, particularly mm-hmm. uh, uh, she is the writer of record of one of the most popular episodes of an animated series. Do you know the name of that series and what episode it is? I don't know. Is it Rick and Morty? I don't know. It is. And what episode would it be? <laughs> um, is it the pilot? I don't know. This is the only thing you know about Rick and Morty. About when he turns into a pickle? Pickle Rick. She wrote the Pickle Rick episode of Rick and Morty. All right. Well, well so, shout, shout out to uh, Trey's hockey team. So Yes, my son's team isn't allowed to watch Rick and Morty, but they all have Pickle Rick jerseys with Rick with like a... I, and so I bring this up because... They're 10U, by the way. So yeah, yeah, they're not allowed to watch that. Yeah, and so I brought that up because she has a strong background in comedy. She does a lot of animated series. She does a lot of comedic work. And so Jessica, when she approached this series, the first thing she wanted to do, she also did Silicon Valley, Corporate, uh, Take My Wife, uh, I'm trying, Robot Chicken. So Mm -hmm. sort of things that break the fourth wall, things are very absurdist. Joke, joke, joke. But then you wait and then you hit them with another joke. And I thought it reflected well in this first episode. And what were your thoughts? I'll start with you, WH, and swing around to you, Melissa. What were your thoughts on the fourth wall break before we even get into the series? How did you feel about them? And can you, WH, kind of, like you did in the primer, enlighten folks about why that's such an important element of the show? Uh, So, personally, I I thought it was fine. I didn't think they went overboard with it. And I like the fact that when... Like the the time she breaks the fourth wall and 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 Bruce is in the scene with her. He's in the background because they're fixing the bar, and he's making reference to like you'll get your, you know, you you can have your normal life back, Jen. I'm fine with that. And he's and she just looks at the audience and says and looks directly at the camera and says, uh, "No, I mean, that's not true" or something like that. And he he looks at her like, "Who are you talking to?" So the fact that she acknowledges that she's talking to like us, the viewer. But he doesn't know that she's talking to us. He's just saying, who's she talking to? I think that's that's really cool because like I I I like the idea that she's the only one who is aware of what she's doing, in the sense like she she maybe she sees us, but other characters do not. I'm just wondering, is she okay? Is her is she having some kind of an episode or or something like that? And this is a nod to like one of the most um, popular like series that that the she hulk character had uh, from the from the late eighties by John Byrne, who is one of my favorite creators uh, at the time. He did the Fantastic Four legendary run on that book. He did he's done he did the relaunch of Superman over DC and is responsible for so many you know like great comic books. Just a fantastic artist. Like you might know him. He's the guy who created who who did the 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 art for the Dark Phoenix saga and Uncanny X Men with Chris Claremont as the writer. Um, but anyways. 
he famously wanted to make She-Hulk more of a comedy character and make this book a comedy book to differentiate it from other books on, on, the, in the market at the time. And so one thing he thought I'm going to have She-Hulk do is like break the fourth wall. And for people who don't know the, like the fourth wall in comic books and in theater and in, in films and television is when the, the, one of the characters will look directly at the camera or in if it's theater or in comic books, look at the viewer or the reader and address them directly as if, yes, I'm aware that I'm a fictional character and you are watching me and I'm going to talk to you. It's very, is, is that, is this an example of being meta rich? Yes, very much so. And that's actually one of the words that Jessica used in her interview on empire. Uh, in fact, when she first wrote She-Hulk Attorney at Law, there were so many instances of it that Marvel wrote back to her. Kevin wrote back specifically, maybe we don't need the fourth wall breakage. And so she had to kind of curtail it. And point in fact, there was so much fourth wall breakage and so many things jumping around that this actually was the eighth episode in the series. And they figured in post, it was better to do this now to kind of set the stage for what's going to come for it going forward in the rest of the series right so they it was originally supposed to be only in the eighth episode and then they brought it no no this episode we saw episode one was supposed to be the eighth episode in the series oh interesting and and they realized no we need to introduce why these things are happening and why she's doing what she's doing because if we go in cold i think they learned the lesson uh you know i might not have felt that way but i think a lot of viewers did about moon knight where so many things were thrown in later in the game that kind of helped unlock things for the viewer. They wanted mm-hmm. to kind of treat it a little differently, particularly if it's going to be a sitcom. Now for you, yeah. Melissa, how did that feel in terms of the fourth wall? I likened it. And when I was thinking about it, my notes for you to when you would watch Saved by the Bell and Zach Morris would kind of do the timeout, look at the camera and kind of talk through things. That's a good, that's a good analogy for sure. Particularly, you know, for someone who's not as familiar with, with comic book movies, but I liked it because, like, it sort of it was like a bridge into the first part of the episode. So, like, the first part of the episode, she was, and maybe this is where the attorney part comes in, but, you know, they show her basically, you know, prepping for this uh, oral argument. And, like, she's, like, you know, in the zone, like, prepping for the argument, and then they have this, like you know, what's supposed to be sort of this like stereotypical like law firm interaction with, you know, a little bit of comedy in there. And then when this, when this particular scene is going on, like you can kind of see it in her head. She's thinking like, wait, what about my job? (laughs) Like, what about, what about the job I'm supposed to be doing? And he's, you know, explaining to her that, you know, your life is going to change. And she's like, oh wait, but I have to build hours. Like, that's what I heard her saying when you know when she broke the fourth wall like that was the way i interpreted it because it kind of flashed back in a way to the very very beginning of, of the episode when she's in the office hashtag lawyer show i i, I and just back it up i i mentioned cat and i mentioned jessica i have to mention tatiana maslany one of my favorite actresses in television orthan brack is one as i mentioned in the previous one of my favorite series series of all time and she is just magnificent in it, playing multiple roles. So seeing her play this is a treat because there are times I'll get to one in particular during her chat with Bruce, where you get to see the acting chops in addition to the comedy. And that's where you bring and that's where Marvel does such a great job bringing uh, things in. And speaking of that, I want to talk about one of the themes of this episode before we talk about it in, in terms of the beginning, middle end, in that much like the rest of phase four, 
the overarching part of grief within the MCU post-Endgame is explored in a backhanded way with Bruce, where if you hadn't thought about it, my man has had 15 years of hard times, baby. And Jen just blithely just brings that out and lawyers him, which I'll get to in our personal relationship because I felt that several times with our guests being lawyered. Uh, when, where she apologizes, but she isn't apologizing for the act. She's apologizing for the truth being there. And having I thought to tell about it. you. Yeah, yeah. I, I know you. I thought about you because I felt yes. I've, I've had that happen several times. Uh, so I'll start with you, Melissa. What did you think about, uh, obviously, since you haven't seen any of those movies, this story as they told it of Bruce Banner as the Hulk? Um, I mean, I I was vaguely kind of aware of of it. There were definitely parts where I was like, okay, some additional background would be helpful right now. But, you know, I I was kind of so busy, like, taking in the other parts of the show that, you, you know, you can kind of still infer a number of things, even if you, you haven't seen, you know, every single movie with the background. But... But that's how all the Marvel movies are. Like, there's always something when I watch one with you and Trey that something that I don't necessarily appreciate because I haven't seen whatever came before it. And then you guys are like, oh, my goodness, that was great. And, you know, I might not have gotten that that small part because because I didn't watch, you know, whatever, whatever it was before. And then you guys are like, oh, you know, you didn't get it. But I can still, like, really love and appreciate the movie. And kind of the kind of the same thing here like it was you know i was able to follow it and i think the other thing too was because it was in like one digestible episode um that was shorter you know you can kind of watch it think about it and then like kind of like come back the next week having a better understanding about about who's who and then like me for example you know i'll probably rewatch it like i watched it you know before we got on tonight but like like we were saying before it just came out today so I'll probably rewatch this particular episode and notice so many more things the second time around. And that's, I do that with pretty much everything I watch. There's, you know, if I have a favorite movie, I still notice things in my favorite movie the second and third, you know, fourth time that, that I, that I watch it. So, but, but, but I liked that. I really liked his character. I thought that, you know, he, I thought they, you know, that they both acted really well together, um, and that, like the first scene, or I guess the, not the first scene, but I guess it was really the second scene with the with the car accident, was was done extremely well. Um, one thing that I noticed that probably not a lot of people noticed was the the Cheetos kind of play the play on the Cheetos was kind of cool, um, but. Uh, but that part was, was done. And I think that sort of gives the viewer as much background as they need to like move forward in that episode. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And as I joke with WH, when we saw the preview of this uh, last week, I am very proud that my Ford escape is the official vehicle of Jen Walters <laughs> prior to uh, uh, the Sakarian transport ship causing a ruckus. Now for you, WH, <laughs> what did you think about um, the whole story of Bruce, the trauma and how that carries throughout phase four. I, I, I think it just like really adds a layer to, to Jennifer's character. Cause like he's talked going on about like, this is what I had to deal do to become the merged version of, you know, what he calls smart Hulk. 
right? And so I want that. But she, he assumes that she's going to be like him at first when he turned into the Hulk, which is like, you know, just a rage monster. But she says, no, I'm fine because, you know, it's because of Bruce Banner's childhood trauma that he creates kind of has like a DID kind of, you know, aspect to him as well. Like, like Mark Spector has in Moon Knight, but that the Hulk is a manifestation of his childhood rage at his, at, at the abuse he suffered at his father's hands. Mm-hmm. But Jennifer Walters never had that. She's perfectly fine. In fact, she, she's very capable of, of releasing her anger because she's a woman in, in, in modern world. She has colleagues who mansplain shit to her or tell mm-hmm. her, oh, do you want me to give the closing arguments? And I can ask, Melissa, if you have any uh, dumbass male colleagues. I mean, you can't say <laughs> in public or not. You, you can tell me off air whether you do or not. But I'm sure you've had instances in your career and in your life as a woman, but as a lawyer in your career of people, of men, mansplaining, I apologize for my entire gender straight off the bat right here. We are terrible. We are terrible people uh, in general. Uh, but like she, she talks about what it's like to be a woman. Like the, she, we see it in the roadhouse incident where she's waiting for Bruce to pick her up. And these three guys want to like chat her up, but she's not interested. But, you know, they just want to harass her because they can't take a hint. And, mm-hmm. so she, and she explains to Bruce, like, this is what I have to deal with being a woman. I So she just, you know, she has very good control about her emotions and she and 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 kind of managing her anger. So she doesn't have like the issues that Bruce had of like basically his id manifests itself as the Hulk based on his childhood. She never had that. So it's just like it's all what is it? It's all ego, I guess, then mm-hmm. with her. I don't, I'm not a psychologist. I, I'm not too sure. But. I got to ask, Melissa, I have to ask, do you have a bobblehead of RBG in, in uh, RGB in, in your in your office as well? I do does? not, but I totally should. Uh, I mean, I wish I, I wish I did. I have I have multiple, multiple books about her. And um, I have like a book award book that that is about her. Um, I mean, you know, I think all of us, all of us female attorneys you know, regardless of, you know, your political affiliation, you know, we, we just, you know, really, you know, oh, you know, we owe homage to, to our, to RBG. And I, I've watched the movie. I love the movie. That's the movie that I've watched several times, but my, my actual favorite movie, I, I mentioned a favorite movie a second ago, but is a lawyer movie before I ever knew I wanted to be a lawyer. It's the Pelican Brief. Um, and so, that's another movie where I watch it over and over again, notice something different, something small, but, but yeah, so that's a really, and it's really interesting that they chose, they chose her to be a lawyer. Like they could have chosen her to be any other like male dominated profession, right? They could have chosen her to be a orthopedic surgeon um, or an accountant um, or really just like a general, like she could have just been a general businesswoman and it could have you know it could have had a similar storyline right like she could have been like a so in the comics she's a lawyer because right right she she because bruce goes to her because he's like hey do you think you can help me out with all these legal troubles of all the people and and property i've destroyed during my uh you know during my transformations into the rage monster known as the hulk so right, that's right. how we get it. And this, this transfers obviously in, into this TV show. That right, she's, aware. Right. she's, she's a prosecutor to start, but I think right. as the series goes on, she's going to become a, 
a defense attorney. Which or, is interesting. Or something like that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Rich, I'm going to say my theory about the corporation she's mm-hmm. after in, in, this, in this opening episode is my guess is going to turn out to be Roxanne. I am with you. I completely agree. And I think that's a good way for this guy to jump into the the case. So she's going into this. She's practicing her closing, as Melissa mentioned. And as you mentioned, it's most like to me, I agree with you. I think it's probably going to be Roxanne. And that will be a nice backdoor way to even tie in low key as we'll get to a lot of things. A lot of other properties are tied in tonight in in tonight's episode or today's episode. And so as we get that first early fourth wall break, after Jen gets some, you know, uh, girl power time and is asked for her savage look, which is a, obviously a nod to Savage She-Hulk, which was another series. And I, I, I thought that was fun. You have that happen. Jen gives it. And then she says, "What I, I love that as her catchphrase, lawyer show. And then mm-hmm. we go into the preview of her driving months before with Bruce. They run into the Sakarian ship. She's en route to finishing her argument that Captain America is a virgin because of the time it took between his fr- frozen in ice and then saving the world countless times en route to sacrificing himself for everyone uh, during the events of Endgame. And Bruce is having none of it. He is constantly on the back foot with this argument prior to the car accident, and it's just amazing to see. We'll get more on that later. After the car begins to roll and the chopstick-trained uh, Cheetos are in mid-flight, which... As an aside, for those of you who want to use your Googles while you're listening to the three of us, Oz- Oscar Isaac also eats uh, Cheetos with a chopstick in real life. See, I'm going to fucking do this. The next time I don't usually eat Cheetos, I'm going to buy a bag of Cheetos and eat them with chopsticks to see what this is like. Because, like, well, I'm no thinking about this. This is a great idea. This is a great idea. What? Mm-hmm. Listen, like, you know what? Salt, vinegar, chips, chopsticks. I'm fucking doing it. And if Wade comes out here, WH, you, you can't you can't talk about the salt and vinegar chips. Those are gross. Like, no way. Not liking salt and vinegar is gross. Hashtag I'm I'm gross because I hate salt and vinegar. Also, pineapples belong on pizza. Fuck anyone who doesn't okay, agree with there. me. We're there. We're together again. So after the car accident, uh first I want to note that Jennifer's not only the first person to get out, but she saves Bruce. She yeah. gets him out of the car. And during their trip, he had mentioned that he had mastered an inhibitor that allowed him to remain in the banner form, which also helped uh, after the events of Endgame alleviate some of the healing in his arm, which uh, I want to talk to you real quick, WH. When we last saw Bruce, he was slowly having that happen at the end of Shang-Chi. Yeah. What were so your thoughts post, on this that? Is, this is, so this is post-Shang-Chi. Yes. So Timeline the wise. abomination who's going to show up in Tim, you know, Emil Blonsky played by Tim Roth, the abomination. This is post and this would explain Wong going to be showing up as a guest star in, in this show, which, which explains a lot. So it's an interesting little nod to the timeline and the idea that Bruce can heal himself. Any wounds that he, he incurs as the Hulk, he can, he can heal faster if he turns back into Bruce Banner. Now, I think this is an idea they get from the comics. I can't remember yes. exactly uh, yes, which, if you, if which you read writers the run. Hulk. The Immortal, Immortal Hulk. Hulk. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I have not read the Immortal Hulk yet. I'm I'm gonna. They just announced the Omnibus, which I will buy and, and I'll I'll read it all at once. Or 
you know, over the course of five years, as I tend to do with omnibuses. Uh, I just bought the Doctor Doom one. I can't wait to to break that out and just read about the greatest villain in the history of fiction. Not Darth Vader. I love Star. I love Star Wars, but Doctor Doom is the greatest villain in all of fiction. And, and for those of you who noticed on Twitter at Rich underscore Fan, one of the things I did in prepping for this episode was show that my coworker at Pitt, uh, Pitt is where I work my day job outside of doing wrestling and podcasting got us a bunch of stickers as staff for our work laptops. And so I now have a Dr. Doom sticker oh, proudly on my work lucky. laptop. Yeah. I got Very Dr. Nice. Doom, Piotr Rasputin, Kurt Wagner, Nathan Dayspring, Ascani son. And uh, yeah, I, I'm going Wait, full You want nerd. me to use the real names? So you're talking about I only Colossus, use real names. Nycro- oh, who you fucking Dave Meltzer? The yes. Observer, uh, Colossus, <laughs> uh, uh, Nightcrawler, and who, yep. who's the last? Who's, Cable. Oh, uh, and Kate Cable. Right there, you go. I don't use his summer's name. He's a Scotty son. We get that out of here. This guy's son. Uh, there you go. Anyway, yeah. So, so by the way, you need to. You know, I don't want to spoil the surprise. I'm sure in the future, but like this, I just thought this. Like maybe you're you're gonna have to be scouring the internet, maybe eBay for a RBG uh, uh, bobblehead for your wife there. Yeah. W H for the love of God. I thought we were a team. Not only have I scoured it, but in the nanoseconds between that conversation, it will be here on Saturday. That will no. be her payment for the. It, that will be your payment for appearing with us. Listen, people nice. helping people. That's what we do. That's awesome. But yeah, yeah so I'm, I'm. I have to uh, make a female attorney observation, which sure. you know. If there are any other female attorneys who have watched the first episode, there's one part that I know that you noticed. And then I want your guys' honest opinion. If you notice this, what was she not wearing in the last scene in the courthouse? She wasn't wearing pantyholes, which I know is a, or stockings or whatever you want to yeah, call it. Yeah, okay, okay. You've heard, you, you've heard the story about. I've heard your complaints. I hear heard, your complaints every time you heard, go to court. You've heard the story about legal writing too many times. So you probably, yeah. did you, did you, did you notice that WH? I, I kind of thought about it as like, oh, she's got her bare feet in these shoes. And okay, like, so I didn't really so, think about it too much, but it, it's very unprofessional, like in any so, kind of. So, um, so like, yeah. So, I mean, I guess like a, a brief lawyer sidebar, you know, which is when we just digress hey, is when we say the sidebar. Show. That's right. what this is. Yeah. So if lawyers are ever digressing or like sidebar, that means like, woo, you're going to go down a rabbit hole. Um, so for our legal writing class, which I loved, I loved my legal writing class. I was a TA. My professor was awesome. For our one hour oral arguments, we had to wear a pantyhose. And my dear friend who was in my legal writing section, who was a really good friend of ours today, her name's Phoebe, Aunt Phoebe, as Trey calls her, she just was beside herself with that requirement. And she just was not happy about it. So, you know, so we had a flash forward end of the year, you know, some people wore them, some people didn't, whatever. But I was having a conversation with a colleague about a week or so ago about how much things have changed in terms of the pantyhose. Like I, I'm not a litigator, so I don't go to court regularly. Um, you know, we might have like an administrative hearing or something like that, but between things being on zoom and just things changing, I would totally go to court without pantyhose right now. Um, that would not be, and if someone else did it like in real life, I probably wouldn't even notice. I mean, I noticed because it was a movie and 
because I was looking specifically at that and like her feet were bare and they zoomed in on her legs. But if I saw someone going to court, walking in the courthouse and they didn't have pantyhose, I wouldn't even notice because I think things have just changed so much. But it was awesome in this movie. Like they made it so obvious that she wasn't wearing them. And like I thought Maybe that they was awesome. Tore apart during her transformation. I don't think so. I don't because I like looked before and I was like, no. oh no, she was there the whole time. I was like, yeah, I was like, she was not wearing pantyhose, and I was like, that that's just awesome. No, I mean, she had on like a skirt suit, um, but like not not pantyhose. And I was just like, that was aw- that was just awesome. And it was a darker suit, like I mm-hmm. would call it gray. I wouldn't say it was black, like a gunmetal almost. Which is yeah, like which is also kind of like a statement too. But it was just, it was just very interesting. I mean, when, yeah, I mean, Rich has heard the the story about the oral argument like so many times that, you know, like he probably did notice it. But it it was interesting. Yeah. So just to go double back a bit about the Sakarian uh, courier ship, you know what that means, Rich? We're getting World War Hulk. I think because of, okay, again, this goes back to the Variety article. One of the things that Ms. Gao mentioned is that she had a list of things she wanted to do. And originally, you'll appreciate this, WH. Originally, she wanted to do a Black Widow movie where She-Hulk was in it as a sidekick. And when she pitched it and Kevin Feige looked at it, it's like, this looks like a She-Hulk movie with Black Widow in it. And she's like, you got me. And this is what led to her being the showrunner for the series. And so during that, she mentioned, she pulled her staff. They wanted more Spider-Men. And that was out of hand. No, no one Spider-Man related. Sony hasn't been bought yet. I mean, don't say that out loud. Uh, And so with the Hulk, two things happened in this show that ties in what you're talking about with World War Hulk. First, he mentions as canon within the MCU. And we've had it happen during the Avengers when Natasha made a joke about his breathing exercises. Everything, we basically erased Ed Norton and we're, we're juxtaposing uh, Ruffalo into everything that he did, even down to yes. the yoga and everything else. So because of that, they can't bring him in, like because of the agreements. Though uh, there is an argument, and we talked about it during the week zero episode primer, there may be a legal standing in the next year where it expires and they get full control again. But if they don't, my my uh, addition to what you're saying is I think we get World War Hulks and we yeah. get to see because one of the things I thought was a nice parallel in this show. And Melissa, I'd, I'd welcome your opinion on this is as much as Jen did a great job of highlighting Bruce's arrogance, uh, like smart hog is like, Oh, they named me. It's like, but you accepted it. And he's like, I got lawyered. I don't lawyer me about this again. Side note. I get lawyered about stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. She became a lawyer. I just, mm-hmm. I just take the loss and move on. Mm-hmm. But we also saw confidence and even arrogance out of Jen. And even though she might not have a passenger back there, like he, like Bruce does, if they continue some of the things that happened in say the second secret war, the Jen was the person that used the inhibitor because she had such rage issues after Bruce died during that series mm. that she had to go to counseling and therapy. And most of that series is about her dealing with the trauma of the loss of her cousin. And what does it mean to be the only living Hulk that now has the rage issue she at that point hadn't had compared to her cousin. Right. And so what do you think about the possibility of World War Hulks and having her be the conduit if the legal issues are there? Or do you think it's just going to be purely World War Hulk, you have Scar, 
and you have all that fun stuff. Because that would also be a nice backdoor way of talking about the fact, as much as we focused on Cap's sex life, we didn't really talk about Bruce's. Well, he, in two years on Sakaar, like, he probably fathered a lot of kids, maybe, you know? Like, then you can introduce the idea of Thundra into, like, maybe she was a gladiator on Sakaar. And so, like, in the comics, uh, there's a character named Thundra who's, like, basically, she's an she's from a dimension where the, where, where Amazons rule the earth and, 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 and men are subordinate to women. And, and so she, she, you know, she, she wanted like, I need the perfect specimen to like give me a child. So she picked the Hulk. So she has a daughter, uh, Lyra, who's the daughter, the biological of, 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 of the Hulk, you know, Hulk also has a, a, a child from, uh, you know, his time on planet Hulk, uh, Zakar, name of Scar, and and I think another another kid who's like who's like who's like the villain in Planet Hulk. I haven't read Planet Hulk in forever, um, but he's got a lot of kids. He's never had a kid with Betty Ross though. That's fucked mm-hmm. up, man. Like the only person Bruce Banner's actually been in love with, no kids. But everyone the Hulk's you know gotten busy with a lot of kids on that side. It's really weird. There's some like Freudian Jungian shit going on there. Again, I'm not a psychologist, so you know, you know, Jordan Goodman and Neil Flanagan are watching this thing. Like, they're they're gonna be like, don't you, you got to know your psychological terms, WH? Like, and then ring a cowbell <laughs> or something, you know. But anyways, I don't I don't care about any of that. But uh, yeah, World War Hulks. You, you got to have you got to have She-Hulk in it. You can you can backdoor maybe Bruce into it because mm-hmm. he won't be the star of it. He'll be right. part of a ensemble cast. You can have, uh, you know. Uh, the leader, you can have the uh, Tim Roth returning as the abomination. Maybe we'll get the introduction of Rick Jones into the MCU. Yeah, that'd be really fun. Melissa, before your eyes glaze over, I'm going to jump back into the episode. So (laughs) after the accident, they're now in Mexico at the secret bunker, which, Mm -hmm. you know, WH and I will nerd out because that also, this fills in the blank between the first Avengers movie and the second Iron Man movie in terms of the relationship Tony and Bruce developed and how clearly Tony's effect on him has been a positive as much as a negative. I mean, I think Tony's arrogance rubbed off on him, but mm. Tony never got the humility that Bruce was kind of exhibiting to sublimate those rage issues that WH talked about. Mm-hmm. And you see there the, uh, one of the iron Legion helmets. And I personally, in my head, canon say that's Groot in honor of Tony, much like he did with Stormbreaker, cut off a piece of himself to make that uh, stand for it because it just looked phenomenal. And I don't want to think that he picked it up from like Ikea or somewhere in Mexico. And But the, he, the, the, the Iron Man mask there? Well, no, you had the mask, but it was on this wooden mantle thing. And I just right, was right. like, this is so intricate. I was like, this has to be like group, like cut a leg off and just like put it there. You know, you know who's probably going to get one of those in real life is, is probably a friend of the show, Scrump from the PWT cast. Oh, he should. I mean, that thing's magnificent. It was it was awesome. Yeah. And you see this beautiful bar. You see all these technological things. And Bruce mentions that he spent time down there, not only in the events between Iron Man 2 and Avengers, but in between uh, Avengers Infinity War and Endgame, combining, as he said before, the brain and the muscle, the banner and the Hulk, and making Smart Hulk, or Professor mm-hmm. Hulk, as he's known in the comics. Uh, and Jennifer is just flabbergasted. And as he pulls out this notebook of 15 years of trauma, 
she decodes it in seconds and breaks his poor heart. Like Bruce is a Bruce is a sad dude when you think about it. And it didn't help that his cousin just laid that bear for us to see. And he just talked. I'm a scientist. I've gone down this lonely road, if you know, word to his old 70s TV show. And I'm just trying to prevent you from having the same traumas I did. And as I, Jim, I, I, oh, I, I, I really like, I want to talk about the transformation scene, the, the, her first transformation, because it reminded me a lot of the, the 1970s Hulk TV show where, where uh, yes. David Banner, yes, you know, would turn into the Hulk built, played by Bill Bixby, would then turn into like the Hulk played by Lou Ferrigno, right? But it's it, like some of the shots, like the close up of the eyes, are mm-hmm. very much, you know, paying homage to, to that TV show. Which I thought was a really nice touch, and, and I was watching a, a an Easter egg video on YouTube before we started this. Uh, Screen Crush, they do a really good job. Ryan Erie does a good job on that the show. I don't like all the like he's got to fit in the that's your mom joke. That's fucking mm-hmm. bullshit. Ryan, if you're listening, st- stop it right now. And he's got terrible sponsors as well. Uh, this is why I like you know our only sponsors are the listeners of uh, Post Wrestling, listeners so, and viewers like you, and and uh, and and I can. I, I can I don't have to put them over or anything. I, in fact, I can I can bury them, which I'm, I'm pretty sure I will do when we get to the reader comments later on. Uh, but you know, I want to say, well, what was what was my point about? You're talking about, about Banner. You're talking about the TV Banner, show. yeah. So he, in Screen Crush, he he pointed out why why was he called David Banner and not Bruce Banner on the Hulk TV show and said, "You know why? You know why?" I can't Rich? remember. Is because the TV executives at CV, I think it was CBS. Oh, they said Bruce wasn't manly enough. No, they say quote unquote it's too gay. Oh, I, I tried to church it up. I knew it was something seventies, just horrible. And that's yeah. Uh, uh, and and even think about we talked about it in the primer. I know Melissa, you didn't listen to the primer, but the main reason we got She Hulk in the comics is because the television show wanted to develop that character, and they're like, ah, uh-uh. we, we, we're bringing that over here. We need mm. that. Money. And yeah, we want we want to control the rights to any kind of Hulk character. So, and that I mean, God bless him because I love this. And one of the things with the transformation I enjoyed, I'm a big fan of Great American Werewolf of London and anything involved in werewolves. Like werewolves, my first love. I was never a vampire guy as a kid. I was always Team Werewolf. And one of the favorite tropes of a werewolf transformation is you go from third person to first person in terms of the transformation process. And we saw that with Jen, with the shot counter shot of her eyes, like you mentioned. And then we see her seeing herself expand and then scream and run into the woods. And then again, favorite werewolf trope, waking up in the middle of the woods with your outfit disheveled and thankfully no blood on her. And then she staggers into this bar where we, uh, like you mentioned, meet these ladies who just became like her super team in terms of getting her dressed made up cleaned up and absolutely phenomenal coming out of there and then off we pop to the events that eventually lead to her back in mexico now I'm gonna oh ask we should mention how how she she you know gets the curse it's because like bruce bruce is in oh. human form in this car crash yeah. so mm-hmm. he's he can bleed because he's bruce yep. he's human form and then jen saves him first but she's also got a, a wound on her arm or her yeah, hand gash that she cut yeah. wide open as she opened the yep. door and so he's bleeding from the head so his blood seeps into her into her into with her mixing with her blood but because they share so many genetic traits because they're they're cousins are they are they paternal or maternal cousins that's what i want to know Oh, funny you should ask, because I currently have up, thanks to Marvel from 2019, the Banner family tree. 
And so they are, let me see. Uh, I'm going to find it real quick. They are uh, maternal. Maternal. So their their mothers are related or... Mm-hmm. Brian Banner had two sisters, but one represented here is Elaine Banner Walters and her husband, Morris Walters. Okay, so it's Bruce's father's sister. Yes. Is Jennifer's mother. Yes. Okay, there you go. Anyways, so she, like Samuel Stearns in, in the Edward Orton Hulk movie, this is how he becomes, eventually becomes the leader, is she becomes She-Hulk because she gets... Her, his blood mixed with hers because he's still in human form. Anyways, I just wanted to. I thought that was yeah. really good. I think it's better than. I think it's better than the the origin of the comic books. Yeah, yeah. And I also so. think, and we want to point this out. We talked a little bit about the healing factor, and he talked about how it was a miracle after the snap that he started to heal a little bit when he turned back. He mentioned specifically once they're in the bunker in Mexico after he's had the explanation of Jen that her blood accelerated his healing to the point where he now is whole again. And yeah. he doesn't need the inhibitor anymore. Also, it was the prototype and it broke. <laughs> and so he he waxes poetic about this. And then, as she says, a bit dramatic, uh, destroys it with a flamethrower. Like, yeah, he really could have burned it in some other way. But instead, you know, she found a different way. And yeah, so now we're treated to the world's quickest montage of 15 years of trauma being converted into about a week and a half of her outdoing him in every single way to his chagrin and Mm -hmm. because of his anger issues you could see him getting angrier and angrier as the event goes on so melissa as you heard the uh tune of sweetie while she was doing the workout and proving she could outdo him and you know she knows yoga because she wants to have a tight butt and he's like you're my cousin i can't think about you but it's like a pie Mm -hmm. a pie uh what were your thoughts on the training and what were your thoughts on seeing the Hulk kind of get more annoyed as she outdid him at every step. Oh, that part was awesome. That part, that part was like, I really liked that part because I mean, it, you know, it, it, you could, you know, kind of see like, you know, what her emotional like baseline was going to be like what the baseline annoyance was and like, kind of like comparing that to like the last scene. Cause like you could like during the workout part, you know, she was annoyed, but, like, it wasn't, you could tell, like, she it was still controlled. And, like, kind of like what we were talking about before, how you see the emotional regulation showing up differently in a female character than it would be in a male character. It's like, if that were a male character, you know, I think it would just, that would just be, like, you know, way, way, that would just blow up, right? Mm-hmm. But, like, you kind of see it in a female character. It's like, all right, you know, we, we still got to keep it in check. But, like, at the same time, you know, I'm still the boss. And, WH, how did you feel about that scene, particularly the uh, the shove off the mountain as she gives him the uh-uh. middle finger? I I really think this is where, you know, Tatiana Maslany, like, really shines. Because her 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 comedic timing is fantastic. She's such a great actress. Um, I like the chemistry she has with Mark Ruffalo. Uh, it's very natural. So you can believe that they're... They 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 grew up together. They've known each other most of their lives as from from childhood on, um, and it, it's fun. I, I'm I'm it's it's different from a lot of like you know um, different other montage scenes. It's way better than that crap we see in like 
the fucking Hobbs and Shaw movie where like, you know, Jason Statham and, and Dwayne are like on the fucking Island with Roman Reigns, like building this trap for these, this hardcore mercenary black ops team that they're somehow going to defeat because quote unquote family, go fuck yourself that's such a stupid lame concept to to promote oh i'm gonna beat you i'm gonna beat highly trained military operatives because we're family shut up so lame dumb i hate the fast and the furious i actually i you know you know what i like a lot of the movies because the villains are good the mm-hmm. but the main characters are complete dog shit vin diesel <laughs> especially oh by the way the i am group stuff best thing vin diesel's ever done because he only says one thing in those in, in, yeah. in this thing sorry I am Groot. He's Vin Diesel. Best thing he's done in in decades. Because most other thing he does, like the Bloodshot movie, unwatchable trash. I watched five minutes of it and I was like, I'm done. I'm out. Vin Vin's all over this. Most of the Fast and Furious movies, past five, he's terrible in them. Don't even get me started how he ruined the character Riddick. How do you fuck up that character? Oh, I know how. You're Vin fucking Diesel. That's how you fuck up that character. Anyways, sorry. Where were we? Again, well, we were talking about. I mean, this is a good. We were talking about just the relationship between Jen and Bruce and the the training it's montage. Great. But this is a good good place to jump in. I'll start with you, WH, and then Melissa. I want you to give your thoughts, especially as someone that doesn't watch a lot of these movies and shows. What did you think about the CG going into this series? There were a lot of questions about the status of the CG. Even uh, Jessica Gao mentioned that they had so many scenes at first when Kevin Feige. Uh, her first question was, how much is too much She-Hulk? And he said, not, there is no limit. The limit does not exist, if I can borrow that from uh, Mean Girls. And lo and behold, they get into post, and he's like, we need more gen scenes. Because one, it had become public with the amount of people that had uh, uh, been overworked in the CG departments they have been hiring for this. And two, it got, you know, she wanted to make sure I didn't go over a budget. He's like, there is no budget that you can go over. And then all of a sudden there was a budget you can go over. And so with the cleanup compared to that first ad, WH, what did you think of the CG? Particularly because this Mexico experience was solely two CG characters talking to one another mainly. Um, It's fine. I don't expect a lot. Honestly, like I understand that, you know, with the limitations of TV budgets, TV schedules, that you cannot make this look like a multi-million dollar movie. It's not going to be the Avengers. It's not going to be the standalone Hulk film. Um, so, you know, I, I was in a private chat with, with the future guest we're going to have on one of the future episodes. And like, he was just like complaining about it nonstop in that episode. So that's going to be a fun, fun episode when we talk with him in the, in the future. Um, but I, I was fine with it. Like I, I think it looked way better than the first preview, which I was just like, if you if for those longtime listeners, MC later, like when we talked about that trait of that teaser, I was like, no, this looks terrible, absolutely terrible. And then I saw the trailer, the first trailer. I was like, okay, this looks better. And now I'm fine with it. Like you have to lower your expectations for like for television versus the movies. Let's just be honest. And here's the thing: the, the other thing is like. These VFX, you know, t- t- talents that are out there, especially working for Disney and Marvel, they there's so many terrible stories out there about how they are overworked and underpaid by Marvel. It's ridiculous. I kind of feel bad. I I sometimes don't try to avoid reading those because I don't want to feel guilty about enjoying mm-hmm. <laughs> watching Marvel or Disney stuff. So um, I think they really need to like kind of fix this problem because you know, like eh, a happy 
VFX artist is a productive VFX artist, in my opinion. And, and hire more people, for God's sakes. Give yeah, people give jobs. Them, give them jobs. Give them jobs. And Melissa, I know you have a hard out because you actually have to get home because you're currently at my in-laws. Yeah, having exactly. dropped our son off. So why don't you give this answer and then like anything you want to support or throw out, feel free to do so. And then myself and WH will take it home. All right, cool. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, I agree. Like, you know, I mean, the quality compared to, you know, like some of the other, some like Black Panther, I mean, obviously it's not the same. But like I said, it's, it's certainly a more like digestible form, um, a form to watch. And I think it's probably going to draw in a lot of like more casual Marvel viewers, like, like myself, um, you know, who, who aren't going to go to the three hour movie, you know, maybe they go to see black Panther because, you know, of every, all of the hype around it, or, you know, maybe a different movie, but I think just kind of like that accessibility, I think is, is going to draw people in now, obviously like they have money. So like, yes, they should hire more people to, you know, to you know enhance whatever it is like they it's not like they don't have the money but i think you're right i think you know when you're watching something on tv and you can just stream it at seven o'clock in the morning um before you go to work like that you do kind of sacrifice them but i don't think that was the original question i know we kind of dove into that but oh no no that's good the cg was like i just wanted to get your opinion did it take you away from the episode did you feel like anytime they were talking you kind of felt what's this no, I mean not really. Like I like I said, I mean I think there there were there were probably some parts that were like lost on me just because I don't watch all the Marvel movies and I don't have I haven't read all the comics so I don't have that whole background. But I mean overall like you know, overall I thought it was extremely well done. Um and I know for I know I'm going to be watching the next episode um I feel like a lot of people probably will too, just, just to kind of see what, where it's going to go from here. And I think like both parts were done equally well, like the kind of like the present day parts. And then, you know, the, the, I, I'll call it a flashback, but that's probably not the right word. And then like, kind of like the flashback parts were, were done well, both done well. Oftentimes one will be significantly better than the other. Um, and it's sort of obvious, but that wasn't the case here. Awesome. And so before you get out of here, my love, uh, is there anything you want folks to go to, like one of the charities you work for or anything you want them? Like, I know you don't have like a podcast or anything. Oh God, if you had a podcast. I know uh, I don't, I don't have a podcast. Um, I, yeah, I do not, I do not have a podcast. I just, you know, sometimes make my appearances on yours. Um, but you know, I just, I encourage viewers to, you rewatch this episode like I'm going to and like think about try like try to watch it from the perspective of somebody who is a minority whether if it's a woman in a male dominated field or like somebody who doesn't necessarily traditionally have that voice and like see what you can take away from it watching it from a slightly different perspective um than whatever your perspective is Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on and I hope you have a wonderful rest of your night as if I'm not going to see you. Uh, I'll see you in 20 minutes. All right. If you're still on in 20 minutes. Oh no, I won't be. Me me and WH got a deal. We keep these right. We keep it tight. Okay. All right. Well, uh, 
well, you, well, when I get off, you and the viewers can, you know, kind of get in, you can really get into the weeds. So <laughs> <laughs> she's like, you can do your nerd talk. All right, dear. Love you. And thank All right. you for being love on. you too. Thanks guys. Thank Bye. you, Melissa. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. This post wrestling podcast is brought to you by nerd Wallet's smart money podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with on nerd Wallet's smart money podcast. Their trusted financial journalists offer easily digestible conversational discussions on topics like balancing your portfolio. If you think an ETF is one of Cena's five moves of doom, this show might be for you. Planning for your tax bills this April so you don't have to worry about a visit from Erwin R. Scheister. And putting away more money for retirement. Because unlike most wrestlers at the end of their careers, most of us should only plan on retiring once. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. All right. So that was Melissa Fan, attorney at law, talking about She-Hulk, attorney at law. And I I, I regret the fact that I didn't get a chance to talk to her a little bit about Titania and that ending, because that is really the next step we're going to. So after the training, we get one of the fun things, WH, the Hulk fight. Because if you have two Mm -hmm. heroes, the comic book rule is they're going to fight because you got to fight before you become, become friends. What did you think of the fight? What did you think of the impetus of the fight in terms of the argument they had and Bruce just finally getting sick of her crap? And also, Jen getting sick of him talking down to her and thinking his his sad story was her same tale and kind of like misery sister and brother. Uh, and most notably, what did you think of the return of the thunderclap? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's okay. I, I don't think it... It didn't necessarily stand out for me, this fight between them. It just seemed like a natural progression of the narrative that we were dealing with in, in the relationship in, like, Bruce trying to, like, help her cope with being a hog. And he's just like, no, I got it. It's okay. I just want to go back to being a lawyer. And he's like, no, you got to, you know, you have such a responsibility yes. now, which is which is such a such a huge theme in this, mm-hmm. in this show, in this episode at least, which I assume is going to be the, the theme throughout the – the whole show is like this this idea that if you have if you have power you know you you have a responsibility to use it wisely and this is like this is like the the theme of like most heroes in in in, in comic books particularly i think more so in marvel than than in dc um mm-hmm. spider-man of course with great power comes great responsibility but you know you see it with with captain america you see it with the fantastic four you see it with you know bruce banner is 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 constantly trying to make you know atonement for like what he feels is like this power that he can't control, but he's always trying to like either get rid of it or, or bring it un- under control because he wants to be more responsible about being the Hulk. And he's trying to impart that to her is, you know, like this idea, like, Hey, you can help people. Like one thing I, th- I think we can take away from this is like, is that he, he is the Hulk is probably, and as a scientist is probably doing as much as he can to help, other people using not only his his powers as Hulk, but also his intellect as as Bruce Banner as as a you know a genius level scientist. So I, I'm I'm curious to see how this this will parlay into other episodes. I, I'm kind of curious as to how often Mark Ruffalo is going to be appearing in the show. I assume not as not that much because I I do think we need to like kind of keep it under you know. Keep, keep it under control we don't want to make this like the de facto oh it's a hulk in every episode i because i think that's kind of a detrimental to, to to jen's character and uh tatiana's performance so um you know i think maybe nine episodes 
like maybe the last two again he'll he'll appear or just do you know little cameos here and there well i i don't want to do you want me to tell you because tell IMDb me he yeah. has them by by credits so he's in all nine episodes oh really okay yes. I can't imagine he's like as as much as this one. He's got to be like more like on the TV screen as she's conferencing, zooming with him, or or uh, streamyarding. Yeah, no, not streamyarding. They're not funny. recording a podcast. Uh, yeah, or doing- you never know. If you say that now, but one of the things they talk about when they did the preview for the show, Titania's Titania's on social media. She's on Instagram. She might have recorded a podcast before she broke into that courthouse. So Titania, I assume, was there to attack the de- the defendant in that court case. Well, it looked like they were there to attack the jury at, at one point. But I think you're right. She could have been under the employee of someone, maybe Wilson Fisk. Because looking at this, if IMDb is telling the truth, it says that Charlie Cox is in eight episodes. Right. He Wait, he's in eight episodes? Eight of he's the nine eight. episodes. So he's going to show up next week. Which means he's probably going to be the attorney for the defense of, or or maybe he's the prosecutor for Blonsky. Oh well, yeah, we'll see. Uh, and yeah, he's not because, a prosecutor though. Daryl is Matt Murray is always a, a defense lawyer. Yeah, except when he's well, not. But I, I don't think he's a. Def, I, I don't think he's a prosecutor. In, in, oh, in this. maybe not a. Pro- and this is where Melissa could have helped. One of the key stories in the one of the later runs of uh, She Hulk was a case where Captain America, as I mentioned last week, was charged with potentially leading to the death slash injury of the person who was supposed to be the first experimental super social serum recipient. Uh, the belief, what the argument was by the lawyer at the time that uh, the surviving family members had evidence that proved that Steve Rogers basically jumped the line. And Steve, in the comics, hired Matt Murdock to argue the case and hired Jen as his attorney because he wanted the two best lawyers in the world right. to prove or disprove the argument. And so okay. that made me very excited. So I don't know maybe if it's something like that or if it's just he's going to be in there with lawyer advice, but I I don't know. That, that seems very interesting. So to me, like Titania, who by the way is a character from, from the comics, um, I think her first appearance is in Secret Wars, the first Secret Wars on Battle World, and she's created by like she's her real name in the yep. comics is like Skeeter. <laughs> Why? Uh, by the way, you mentioned you mentioned Saved by the Bell. Uh, Zach Morris, one of the worst fictional characters of all time. What a well, scumbag! Look at the Anyways. series in the sequel. He becomes Governor of California, and you know he stepped on some bodies to get there. Oh, totally. He totally threw people under the bus totally slept with too many women probably and, and just refuses to pay child support that's 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 the kind of person zach morris is but anyways <laughs> all right so where we right. T- titania you know what you know what kind of like i think she kind of reminds me of it like it'd be cool it'd be cool if she's actually a, a female wrestler who got powers accidentally and is now you know, like using them for some reason, because that her yeah. getup is kind of like, hey, she could she could be a modern day wrestler, mm-hmm. and that'd yeah. be pretty funny. And I, I think uh, looking at this, you know, in the in the Variety article, they talk about how uh, the 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 one conceit as we get back and Jen's now a lawyer, and we do the flash forward, and we've now talked about the fact that during that case, she does in fact give the closing, and then. 
doesn't turn into She-Hulk. She she merely does it as Jen Walters. Titania comes in and she hides. The first thing she does is hide like everyone else. Mm-hmm. And her loyal friend says, hey, maybe you should get out there. Like Nikki Ramos is like, come on, come, go do the thing. And it's like, I like this shoe. I like this suit. I like these shoes. So she takes off the shoes, turns in the She-Hulk handles business. We get the outro by Eve, which I'll get you later. But as that's happening, that made me think again about the Variety article because uh, Jennifer, uh, Jennifer Gow mentioned that no one in the writer's room had law, law scene experience. And so when people talked about the idea of this reminded you of Ally McBeal, this is when I was going to see if Melissa pulls the ripcord and leaves us for dead. I felt very old when she said no one in the writer's room remembered that show. And so they really based it off of Fleabag. And I, that hurt my heart because I was driving to work. I saw this at 7am. I was driving into work and I'm running in my head. I was like, you have to understand to me, this being an Ally McBeal kind of like adjacent show is one of the most penultimate Marvel-y things I ever had happen in this weird timeline because Without Ally McBeal, you don't get the reclamation project for more, uh, for Robert Downey Jr., which fails because he at that point was in jail for drunk driving and was allowed by the judge because he was so talented as an actor to film his episodes of Ally McBeal until he crashed his car again. And they're like, no, nah, you're done with that. You're off the show. You stay in jail until you figure it out. And he was at his lowest ebb when they needed to make that D-list character famous and start what we're now watching on television. Like to me, right. Ally McBeal is the weirdest little piece of it. It's the guy that's like right behind Rick Jones, like, no, don't do it. But it's still just as important. Right. No, like I told, I told you not watch Ally McBeal. So I did not know or remember that Robert Downey Jr. was, was on that show. Yeah. But, well, um, now for those of you who, who have heard it and have seen it, I want you to write in next week because I'm about to say bygones. It's fine. It's bygones. One of the main characters would just passive aggressively say bygones and basically do what Bruce does and push down whatever the thing was that threw him off and then just pretend like it doesn't bother him, but it does. So Ally McBeal, not the best show in the world, but it gave me the guy who then became the guy that helped (laughs) save the guy who saved the girl in this TV series. And that's how rich fans brains work. So forgive me y'all. That's what I do. But, but you know, you know, Robert Downey Jr. was was also in the the sequel to uh, the Fugitive U.S. Marshals with Tommy Lee Jones and and Wesley movie. Snipes. I love that yeah. movie. Him with the chewing of the like his little nervous tick and uh, trying to repeat the outhouse, jailhouse, courthouse. Like he tried his version of it when Robert when uh, uh, Tommy Lee Jones got his chance to kind of like add on to it, and he was the the nerdy FBI guy they didn't want to trust because he's got the high tech things. And I do things a different way. People shouldn't get old because I would love Tommy Lee Jones to exist forever. He should be a Highlander again, sidetracking. I'm looking at this clock. We're going to have to get back on time. Uh, yeah. But let's get to so, the post, the, the post, the mid credit scene, mid credit scene. And then which, I, I wait, I, hold on. I, 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 before I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the credit sequence, I think is all done by a local Toronto artist that I, that I kind of adjacently know okay. uh, by the name of Kagan McLeod. Um, Cause he tweeted out that he, he worked on, and I, it looks so much like his art that I assume he did all the credit, the, the art for the credit sequences. Um, Kagan McLeod is the artist and creator of a comic book called 
Infinite Kung Fu. Check it out, people. Uh, it's a fun book. He does. He's also a huge hip hop fan, so he does all this like hip hop themed art. That if you go to his like, I guess his Instagram, his his Twitter, that you can you can find it. Uh, it's Kagan McLeod, K A G A N M C L E O D. And so check it out. Uh, and, and like, I want to shout out him. Uh, I haven't talked to that guy in like fifteen years, maybe. But like I was, I was like so happy. Like, oh my god, that's Kagan's artwork. It looks and it's like I see him on Twitter, like tweeting it out. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. You know, it's like a Toronto connection. There's him. Tatiana lives in Toronto. I'm from Toronto. Wade yeah. is from Toronto. John Pollock's from Toronto. You know, like you got to come visit us here, Rich. You know, some. Oh, well, I mean, I listen. If Melissa was here, she would be in what uh, my friends have lovingly called friend mode, and she would be like, "Listen, let's pause this podcast." Let's get some dates. Let's get things set up because that's how she rolls. If anything, you, uh, you know, she would have rescheduled like our, I want to say, let's see, this is pre COVID. That would have been our 10th wedding anniversary. We went to Edmonton and she was like, I will retroactively declare that we should have gone to Calgary. I was like, I didn't know WH back then. I didn't know WH back then. Like, what are you well, doing? I, why, I, no, but, I, but I'm not in Calgary. I'm, I'm in Toronto. <laughs> But that's her. She was like, she was like, I would have been like, let's let's go Toronto. Let's go, let's go everywhere. She would have been like, right. let's make this like a three week sojourn through Canada. Like we're freaking. I, 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 Calgary. I'm like thinking, wait, I'm am I the am I the last surviving member of the Heart Dungeon? You might no. be. Are you? Well, uh, you know, you know who is. Where isn't? were you on January sixth? You know, you know who you know who isn't a a true you know trainer trainee of the Heart Dungeon, Chris Jericho. But anyways. Oh, whoa. You know he's uh, one of Winnipeg's finest. And you know who else is from Winnipeg? Ken Chan. Uh, I, uh, so it's Don Callis. Yeah, they're the, they're the Winnipeg Three. <laughs> Explains my uh, this. You know, here's the thing. I actually like Winnipeg as a city. I've been there a couple of times. It's a mm-hmm. very fun place. Um, for for when I was in uh, college radio, I, I I went there for a college radio conference twice. It's a very fun place. Great, great, great music scene. Anyways. Post credit right. scene or make make the credit scene. Let's go. All right. So first thing, per Jennifer Gal, Jessica Gal. I'm sorry, Jessica Gal. The goal for them was to have a mid credit scene every episode. So mm-hmm. I'm a little excited about that because it's going to be just like any other comedy where they just have things that go. They. And second of all, I'm going to let you talk about this scene because we talk. The one thing we talked about beforehand was your excitement for this, but I want to tell you. The first thing she did when she was writing this was it was going to be an entire season long joke. And she went to Kevin Feige to get the official canonical answer, which we got during that stinger. And why don't you lay it on the folks? So throughout the, you know, throughout the uh, episode, she's like trying to get Bruce to tell her, hey, confirm that Captain America, Steve Rogers has never had sex that he is indeed a virgin because from his transformation, he would have been too busy. He probably never had sex when he, when he was pre super soldier serum, Steve Rogers. And so this is like, this is, this leads to the car crash. And then we revisit it here in the post, in the mid credits. And I keep saying post it's, it's the mid credit scene and like the drinking and she's crying because why did Steve die a virgin? And like they bring up the his ass because it's a running joke that Steve Rogers slash Chris Evans has a great ass. 
Um, and like, you know, that Aston deserves to die a virgin. It's like, so he, Bruce is finally tired of this shit. He's like, listen, he's not a virgin. When he was doing the USO turds, trying to drum up money from, you know, trying to promote war bonds, he had sex with one of the dancers on the USO tour. And then she's like, I knew it. She got him. It's great. Loved it. I always like that because it's, she wasn't that drunk. He's like, you're not that drunk. Nope. No. Lawyered. Lawyered. There you go. I loved it. And Kevin Feige greenlighting it, just like with the rated R movies. You know, he greenlit when we knew about the uh, Lost Virginian for Cat. I thought that was hilarious. And I, I think that as they keep going with this series, if they keep getting things like this, it's fun. It's like I said, it's very fun. So you all have heard from us. Now let's hear a little bit from those of you who took the time to go to uh, our post wrestling forums and you can go forum.prowrestling.com if you want to join in every week folks throw in their feedback to the mc later thread and we try to read them and provide some insight of our own and so we have a couple of those and why don't we take a look and so our first uh let's see there we go our first person and i gotta bring this into the stream so bear with me folks uh is muggin from toronto I'm sorry, no, from, from Ottawa. Oh, yeah. my God. I'm, I'm screwing up Canada all over the place, guys. Forgive me. And Muggin says, much has been said about She-Hulk for months, especially the discourse about the CGI. Well, to hell with all that noise. The first episode gets off to a strong self-aware start. Tatiana Maslany nails it as Jen Walters. She captures her charm, self-awareness, go-getter attitude with such a plum. Her chemistry with Ruffalo is terrific, and I loved how they differ on how to channel anger and how it took Bruce a long time to master his, whereas Jen mastered hers from childhood. In addition, the tone is reminiscent of a John Burns work with a bit of the modern stuff of Dan Slott and Charles Soule. It's light, breezy fun. And I know when we get to our recommendations, you have some, so I'm looking forward to that. Thanks, Muggin. Appreciate that. Uh, What were your thoughts on that one, WH? Yeah, he's got a lot of good points. I agree with most of them. So we don't have to, like, comment on all the... The, the 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 comments like we don't have to comment on the I'm learning no. I'm learning as I go I'm yeah a, I'm like self actualized they, they speak for themselves uh, you know we yeah. just have to read them I'll, I'll do second cup of the day I still want to know second cup of what Irish whiskey <clears throat> Scotch like Bruce Lord's famous cabinet of alcoholic disaster that he probably wakes up quite quite like uh, Jennifer Walters like disheveled uh you know. Not knowing where have I? It's all that. It's all that scotch you're drinking there, Bruce. Anyways, that brief bit about how she has to hide her frustration slash anger in a work environment the way men don't have to makes me hope we'll get a, 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 a parenthesis, not cliche comparison of men versus women standards, not just a male female Hulk, but expectations of men slash women in society uh, or professional settings. A little social commentary in shows can be nice, and we'll still have a way to go in that respect the alien ship and all the steve discussion makes me think there will be a lot more connections to the wider universe did it bother anyone else that jen's cgi mouth was out of sync with dialogue but bruce's cgi mouth was better matched like listen second cup of the day i don't know how many fucking times you watch this to notice that no it didn't bother me because i didn't fucking notice it anyways and finally the that hulk transformation also gives glorious glorious volume in her hair Mm mm-hmm Jen Walters better be approached for a shampoo commercial in one of these episodes. Can you imagine if they distill Bruce's blood to replace Rogaine and male pattern baldness is solved in the multiverse? 
Uh, sure. That sounds like a great idea. You want to go next? You can. Sure. And then I'm going to, uh, you know, I think second cup has another point here, but I'll, I'll, I'll read that quick after you read from Manny from here. Sure. So Manny from Pacoima, a pretty great opener. As someone who doesn't know much about the character, I enjoyed this introduction to Jen Walters. Seeing everything come so natural to her as a new Hulk while Bruce's jealousy kept growing was a nice touch of a family rivalry. Bruce mentioning Tony on more than one occasion makes me wonder if later on we'll see his loss has really affected him. Or maybe Bruce was just a one-off for the show. Well, we found that out. I'm looking forward to the rest of the episodes getting to know more about Jen Walters, attorney at law. Also, WH, did Tony Stark change the punk moxley match to next oh wrong tony did tony change the punk moxley match to next week because he heard you're going to be in chicago listen tony khan better not be giving that fucking match away on tv all right there may be some schmoz happening and we get it at fucking all out in chicago because i'm gonna be there in chi town all right i'm gonna be eating deep dish pizza and fucking hot dogs apparently you know, like I'm getting all the recommendations. Got to eat. Have you ever eaten a hot Chicago hot dog, Rich? I hear it's, it's a unique way they they. Yeah, I, I heard that from my uh, assistant editor or associate editor over at the Torch, uh, Zach Haydorn. He's from Chicago. He recommended I do it. I didn't because I'm usually pretty picky about my hot dog. Instead, I got the lasagna. They call it pizza. No offense, Chicago, but as a New Yorker, I got to take offense. Uh, but no, I, I didn't do the Chicago dog. It was just a little too busy for me. I'm 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 gonna try to do it anyway. Bless you. Uh, yeah, yeah. TK TK, you know, he's done a lot of like good shit, but you know, TK, don't change that fucking match to free TV. Anyway, second couple of day again. Uh, his hair loss, his loss has really affected him. He's quoting that. Great pointing that out. They did the grief theme with Spider Man, but a more mature version of that might be neat to see. Okay, yeah, there you go. Anyway. Boom. Uh, and then we got Robbie from London, Ontario. Definitely love this debut. Made even more better how much my partner loved it as well, since She-Hulk, along with Spider-Woman, is one of her absolute favorite fictional characters. This was a ton of fun and a great way to set the stage. Can't wait for more. There you go. Uh, there, uh, Jay from Colorado. Excellent first episode. I love the direction and the tone of the series. One thing I always look forward to with these Marvel shows is MCU later. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that goes without saying. I, one thing I always look forward to with these Marvel shows ever since WandaVision is the end credits, as they're always as fun and unique and, re- and reward you for paying attention to details. <laughs> Nerds. As a fan of law and crime podcasts and quote-unquote lawyer shows, I thought it was a perfect touch that they were done in the style of courtroom sketches. That, that's a good point, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, looking forward to having MCU later back on the menu for a bit. It, I, I kind of find that hard to believe, Jay from Colorado, since you spell later wrong. It's L, the number eight, and R, not the fucking like L A T E R. Maybe we should just call him Jay from uh, Hater. Maybe he doesn't Ooh. actually like this show. I don't know. Ooh. So next time, Jay, if I see it's spelled like this again, I'm going to shadow, I'm going to ban you from, from this discussion. I will not be reading your feedback anymore in future episodes. And as we always say, thank you again for your commentary and uh, providing your comments there on forum.postwrestling.com. You can do that for any show, really, in the post-wrestling family. But most importantly, do it for MCU later because we get to read them. Unless you behave. If you don't misbehave, you get shatter banned and you don't want to deal with that. So before we get out of here, WH, what do you want folks to know as far as things they might want to read? Any comic book recommendations? Any, uh, anything in that nature? 
Yeah, so The Sensational She-Hulk by John Byrne, Volume 1. Uh, we're going to have a link to the uh, to this. Uh, did I send it to Way, or you going to send it to Way, the link? I sent I you. I am. I'm going to put it in the notes. Yeah, so it's it's basically this is the book that that this show is based on essentially along with like you know the, the dance slot run the charles soul run but this is this is where it's all started breaking the fourth wall kind of making her a more comedic character and yeah it's it's fun it's it's probably just before the start of his decline in my opinion as, as an artist like he's got this he's got Na- the namor series that he's still very good as a writer and artist on uh before next men which is his creator own stuff which is in retrospect i'm like that was uh, why did i ever like that oh i was just blinded by my fandom but anyways sensational he she hulk by john Byrne, volume one check it out it's it's a fun it's a fun book and the art is great excellent and you know i mentioned in the preview definitely go with the uh sewell uh run i i loved it for kind of the and again, I was disappointed. You know, Melissa had to get home, but I, I asked her to read a couple of those on my Marvel Unlimited account, and she really enjoyed the experience and kind of, we, we kind of talked through the billable hours, like she mentioned, like they yeah. loosely mentioned it here. And that was something that was really fun for her because it was, again, a reflection of her life as an attorney and seeing how that reflects in a comic book was really interesting because that's not something people usually talk about. But we're done talking for this week. Uh, thanks again for taking a listen. And again, for those of you who are on the free side of things, go to postwrestlingcafe.com for the rest of these podcasts. If you want to join up, join the Patreon. It's very inexpensive for the cost of one cup of coffee over at uh, Tim Hortons. You can get yourself a membership and join tons of patrons who enjoy the great work of the folks here at Post Wrestling. Uh, until next week, uh, so of course, we're in- so so. I'll be I'll be here next week. You'll be here. So next week, you yeah. get to see again. Now you've seen my wife of uh, thirteen years. Who's and our guest week, next week? Who's our, I, I forget. Yeah, next week our guest is uh, the person who's I've spent the last seven and a half years worth of Wednesdays talking wrestling, comic books, and life, and arguing with and falling asleep talking to. Travis Bryant from the Pro Wrestling Torch, the East Coast cast, where I first started as a Pro Wrestling Torch contributor and then kind of exploded into the point there. He is my Rick Jones. If there wasn't a Travis Bryant, I would not be here knowing and befriending and talking to WH Park. So I'm eternally grateful to Travis. Well, thank God it's not Will Cooley. Oh, oh, listen, I got to also blame Travis for me eventually meeting Will Cooley because it it all comes together. Sliding doors. It's fine. I love Will, but he's he's crazy. Uh, so Travis is my host over on the East Coast cast over on the Pro Wrestling Tour side of things. He is one of the biggest fans of uh, female protagonists in comic books. He spent years not reading any of the books we would send him until he was introduced to Spider-Woman, She-Hulk, uh, Kamala Khan, uh, Lunella, uh, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, and a host of others that kind of just fit him. He's always been a big fan of uh, female driven leads, either in television movies or in books. And so that's how we got him into comics. So Travis is going to talk about it. He cool. also has an unnatural obsession with She-Hulk in terms of the She-Hulk memes carrying dudes around. So those jokes and our judgment will be there for him. Feel free to judge him. I do it all the time. Uh, uh, I, I don't kink shame. Well, maybe I do, but we're gonna I'll, have try, to I'll, do try, I'll try not to. Yeah. And, and as always, you know, before we get out of here, 
thank you folks for listening. Thank you for joining us on this journey until next time. WH. Uh, M. See you later. <laughs>